0: Hi, and welcome to the Writers' Forum on WRBH. I'm David Benedetto, and today I am joined by historian John McGill, photographer Margot Landon, and local publisher for River Road Press, Scott Campbell. We're going to be talking today about a book they just put out entitled The Incomparable Magazine Street. How you all doing today? I'm fine, thank you.
1: Doing well. Thanks for having us. Great.
0: So how did this project come into being, and how did each of you get involved?
2: Well, I guess I can tell the story about that. Uh, I was getting ready to retire. This was in 2015 and the day before Mardi Gras. And uh, Scott called and he was moving to open his own publishing company and he knew I was going to retire and so we went to lunch uh, into the Five Happiness on Carrollton Avenue and um, we're asking, you know, he asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book for him. I said, sure, you know, why not? And so I started coming up with some ideas and my background is urban history, urban infrastructure and uh, demographics and that kind of thing and um, I made some suggestions, none of which hit the mark, <laughs> and it's <was> like, nobody, <laughs> nobody would read that, nobody would buy that, <laughs> and then I guess maybe I had a drink or two, actually, I think I was coming down with the cold, so <laughs> my brain was really, and yeah, <laughs> drinking, and, um, I said, what about this, what about something about Magazine Street, what about a history of Magazine Street, and it clicked, and, uh I've lived off Magazine Street. I've never lived on Magazine Street, but I've lived on either Constance or Camp Street one block off the street since 1974 up in the, um, up in the Joseph Street area where Whole Foods is today. And I've seen the street change so much. And uh, I thought this might be kind of fun to do something. And, well, it turned into more of an evolution of modern Magazine Street, because it's very much a picture of what Magazine Street is like today. And that's where Margot comes in. I mean, it really cements the look of Magazine Street today. And uh, people I've talked with about the book said they know they're really going to enjoy it. And certainly people who have lived in New Orleans and are now out of town would enjoy it, because they're going to see what the street what the street is now. But how it got to this point, how it evolved into the shopping street it's become you know it's really the spine of uptown new orleans you know you see saint charles as the spine of uptown you you go along saint charles unless you're going to someone's house it's primarily a residential street except for the section between you know the the bridge approaches and yeah. jackson avenue but You go to Magazine Street. Whether you live in the neighborhood or you're from another part of town, you go to Magazine Street. It has truly become a destination. Well, that's interesting.
0: I I find that fascinating that Magazine Street is the destination for people where St. Charles still gets the promenade right there or the prominence.
2: Right. Well, one of the things that that I found very interesting in researching this is uh, at the Historic New Orleans Collection, which is where I used to work before I retired, uh, they have a book called... uh, I don't remember the exact title. It's M Day on Magazine Street. And it was uh, July the ninth, I think, 1948, and the street was repaved with asphalt. Streetcar tracks were ripped up off the street. Uh, new trolley buses or trolley coaches, whatever you want to call them, were were put put in on the street. And all of this took only six months, which was really kind of interesting. Six miles of street completely yeah. repaved. Uh, but the Merchants Association on Magazine well it was actually four separate businessmen's groups mm. joined together and called themselves the, the Magazine Street Businessmen's Association or something. I thought it was they wanted to make Magazine Street a real destination shopping street, and it wasn't nearly the shopping street that it is today. There were four uh, shopping districts. Uh, and uh, they thought, well, maybe we should have a big celebration to let people recognize that this is a a, a shopping area. You know, Canal Street was the main shopping street in New Orleans at the time, mm-hmm. followed by Dryads, which is Aretha Castle-Haley today. Those were the big uh, shopping areas people went to, but Magazine wanted to get in on some of the action as well. So 200 businessmen on the street got this all together. They put on a big parade. Mayor de Lesseps Morrison proclaimed it M-Day. The radio stations covered. It. There was no TV yet; uh, that was still a few months away. Uh, but uh, the radio stations covered it, and a lot of people went out for this, uh, for the parade, and uh, there were sh- the sales at the stores along the street. So it was really a, a big event, creating magazine or trying to create magazine into a destination street. And although it, that's you know seventy years ago,
0: yeah.
2: Uh, it really did ultimately turn into a major destination shopping area, not just for, you know, the city of New Orleans or the metropolitan area, but really very, very regional as well.
0: I could see that. And, and that's something mm-hmm. I want to get into a little bit later in the interview, okay. uh, which is fascinating. Um, <clears throat> excuse me.
2: Before that, Margot,
0: uh, I want to hear about your approach to joining this project, uh, because without your very lovely photographs in this book, it would not be what it is. Uh, and I wanted Thank to you. hear about that kind of collaborative effort uh, and how you kind of chose different things to include in the book.
1: Well, I was already somewhat familiar with John's reputation um, and how knowledgeable he was of the city. And, you know, I haven't lived in the city since I was three years old, but, you know, when you're born here, you kind of, you're in the club, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even though I didn't grow up, I there's still a lot that I... Don't know about the city. I kind of looked at it as what a beautiful opportunity to learn more about it. And personally, I've always had an attachment to Magazine Street Mm -hmm. because because of the food and the art and the restaurants. And um, normally, this is these are the types of projects where you can kind of take your time. And that's not something that I really uh, have (laughs) a lot of opportunity to do. A lot of my work is under a very strict, you know, schedule and itinerary, and I thought, what a great way to learn more um, about Magazine Street, which I don't know already, and John's a walking encyclopedia. I could imagine. I I always forget to bring my recording device because (laughs) (laughs) he has just a wonderful, wonderful talent and ability to just look at one photograph or one building and be able to give you the entire history behind it, so...
2: It was a lot of fun photographing. Mean, a you know, magazine is six miles long, and we walked the entire length of the street. It's we, big. We, <laughs> we started <laughs> at Leak and Magazine and walked all the way into the business district, Oof. and then went back again and took some. Some other shots along there. But I had lists of buildings I wanted to take. And what was so fun is, you know, Margot would go dashing out in traffic and take pictures. <laughs> and, and she'd take like maybe I can be <laughs> hazardous. I think she took, what, close to 10,000 pictures.
1: It was close to that, yeah.
2: Wonderful, you know, digital cameras are fabulous. Yeah. You know, I'm too old to think that much about. But uh, <laughs> what was really neat, though, she would get in there and really look at the, the the structure of the building. I'd say, you know, we need a picture of this particular building. Well, where WRBH is, you know. Beautiful eighteen eighties uh mm-hmm. house on magazine when it was it was a pretty residential street and it still looks very much you know, much the way it would have in its early days. But you know, she would look at building and then go down the side of the building or go sneaking around somewhere else in the building. And uh, you know, she even got a good shot of you know where Lee Harvey Oswald lived. <laughs> really? That was wow. Pre- that was that was a neat day. That was mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Yeah, but uh, you know, just going up and down with 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 Margot, I I knew the history, the development of the street, the development of the markets, and how the shopping areas grew out of the old public markets like the Magazine Market and and that. But she really knew how the buildings looked, and uh, and you know, she could pick them out artistically. And some of the pictures in the book are absolutely stunning. I'll be honest. They make magazine street look better than
1: it really <laughs> looked.
0: <Aww>. Thanks, John. <laughs> oh, man, I think that, that's great. And as, as you mentioned, WRBH is included
2: in the book. And you yes, get a
0: more thorough history than we knew about ourselves. Oh, here. excellent. So we're going to have a written
2: record of it now. But, you know, yes. just in this particular neighborhood where, you know, this was an area of 1860s, 1870s, houses, a number of them are still left. Many of them are now businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to Slate, in the 19, oh, even the 70s, There's still a residential Primarily residential, but uh, you know, you go these forty years down the line. This area has really become very much, uh, very much commercial along Magazine.
0: No, that's interesting. And how did y'all go about selecting the photos? Because ten thousand is a lot Ooh. to look through. Um,
1: yes. Well, normally, when I call images, it's kind of more of like an intuition of what you keep and what you don't. But because this is, this is matching, you know, some of John's vision and some of his words. Um, it, scaling from just comparing one photograph to another, composition-wise, was quite easy. But um, I think for I think for John, as long as it could tell the story and the history of of magazine as a whole, um, I think that it, it was it was quite a process. I mean, it did take months. <laughs> yeah,
2: it did take months. And I really uh, like these long shots where she would look down like rows of galleries because there are parts of of Magazine Street where you still have these, you know, terrific sort of abstracted Greek revival columns that are still there from the 1850s or uh, mm. or ironwork or fences where you have like maybe a whole block of, of cast iron fences and it looks spectacular. And I really like that because you can cover, you know, a multitude of, of buildings with that. You know, in some cases, you know, you just go right in on one building. But in other cases, well, let's just get these 12 buildings in a (laughs) row. All in one, you know, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) And it looks good.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's a very economic, you know, approach to it. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, You had mentioned before, and I, I had heard stories specifically from talking with Richard Campanella about Magazine Street. Not really being planned, it, it kind of happened organically, and how that it was presented in a lot of the ways, at least in the early days before they started urban planning in the city. Yeah,
2: basically, the, well, the urban planning was as the city was growing and it was growing, you know, pretty dramatically in the early part of the 19th century. As uh, the city was spreading and spread primarily upriver from the French Quarter rather than downriver, up being upriver being uptown, uh, the plantation owners began dividing their properties. You know, it was the best way to make money, so they subdivided the properties and frequently they quickly filled in, and as the sub, as the uh, surveyors subdivided the property, they just tied the streets in together, and one of the streets being Magazine Street. Mm-hmm. You know, a few of the streets didn't tie in too well. There are a few really irritating dog legs along, say, <laughs> uh, Camp Street, which I live about half a block from one of those dog legs, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but Magazine Street tended to sweep just beautifully upriver, And then uh, this was planned up to a point, Mm -hmm. and it was tied together. But then another piece of planning was that as New Orleans grew, uh, Mm -hmm. markets were established, publicly owned markets were established throughout the city. And New Orleans had one of the largest numbers of, maybe the largest number of uh, public markets of any city in the United States. Even cities like New York and Chicago might have had only, you know, a handful, five or six public markets. We had about 30 of them. Oh, wow. When all was, but four of them were on Magazine Street. One was the Magazine Market, which is at uh, Sophie Wright Place. Uh, the, uh, the next one up uh, is the Ninth Street Market at Ninth Street across from Bromart. Mm-hmm. And then you go further up, you have the Jefferson Market, which uh, is the St. George's Gym now, uh, block off uh, Napoleon Avenue. And then the final of the four markets was the Ewing Market at the corner of Octavia. And as these markets were established, other businesses would come around come around and establish themselves because the market was kind of like, you know, a department store in the shopping mall. It was a it was the anchors, what brought people in. Yeah. And then other businesses would develop. And as you go along Magazine Street, you can see these old business districts. The you know, the prime one is between Felicity and about Jackson Avenue, which see these wonderful eighteen fifties. Buildings. That market was established about 1850 or so and then the other markets, uh, I, excuse me, the other businesses followed uh, suit in that area and, and these really served um, the neighborhoods. You know, these were you walked there. You didn't necessarily have to get on a streetcar to go to these. They served the surrounding neighborhood and what I find really interesting, you know, that is sort of what modern urban development is all about. Don't use your car to go to a shopping mall, but have these business areas around the residential areas so you can bike. Yeah, integral to the community Right. You right? can bike there. You can walk there. This wasn't planned in New Orleans. I mean, we're a pretty unplanned city when you get right down. <laughs> Very much. When you get right down to it. <laughs> That's what makes it
1: so great. But, yeah,
2: it really does make it great. But, you know, with this, you've you've got, you know, a 19th century city that developed along 19th century lines, yet fits beautifully into the 21st century. And here's Magazine Street doing that. The bigger changes that have come along, I'd say the biggest changes since I've lived near the street uh, in the early 1970s, since the early 1970s, is that many of the houses people were living in are now businesses. You will see double houses that now have two businesses, one on either side. Uh, Whereas if you go back to the 1940s, 1950s, there were still people living over their businesses. And I heard many stories from people who said, you know, my granddad started this business and uh, he lived over the business. We were all raised in the house. And then as time went on, people began moving more out into residential areas, moving away from the businesses. Of course, that brought a decline into Magazine Street. And then Mm -hmm. by the 70s, when the antique shops started opening, then you began seeing the Revival a little bit. The revival of the street. But it also sort of gave a very exotic air to the street because you not only had a mixture of antique stores, but you also had hardware stores, shoe repair shops, mama, papa grocery stores. They were still very much around in the 1970s. Today, you see more and more of an upscale development, of course, having uh, gone on along Magazine Street and much, much more commercial I could see that. And uh, I know you're
0: not in the business of speculative history or speculative futures. Mm -hmm. uh, But I'm interested in since magazine arose from this and has been able to recreate itself Mm -hmm. so often, what do you see for the future of the street, Uh, especially with other places in the city like Ferret
2: and other kind of like sectors arising like that? Do you think it can compete and stay what it is? Well, I think it can compete because it's become such a destination. Of course, there's always the big concern of of rents Mm -hmm. if they go too high. People are not going to be able to go in. And I, I remember reading an article. This was just a matter of a couple of months ago, About it was at Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village in New York. Mm-hmm. It was an article in the Times about how it had become a very, very, very popular shopping street for a couple of decades. But now many of the stores are closing up because people can't afford to live, the, to live there. They can't afford the rents. But I notice on Magazine Street, if a business does close, generally there's something in there right afterwards yeah and you know i'm i'm hoping this is not the height of magazine street we're seeing now and maybe we'll see it, it become more residential as time goes on too. nothing says that residences you, you don't know what's going to happen with any sort of commercial business because yeah. so much of it is based on i don't want to use well say the word fashion not meaning fashion design but wherever it's fashionable for people to go shopping you know we've seen the rise and the fall of the shopping mall mm-hmm just over the past 20 years or so, I mean, basically New Orleans has one gigantic shopping mall now and, you know, uh, was it Veterans Boulevard and Magazine Street actually is something very counter to that. It's still an area where you can walk along the street. You can still go window shopping yeah. on Magazine Street. Now, and I, th- I think that's what a lot of urban developers would like to see, people walking down and going window shopping and that kind of thing. So Magazine really fits in very well there. One doesn't know how people are going to shop in the next 20 years. I mean, we might be one gigantic Amazon warehouse (laughs) by the time that rolls around. You don't know. You can't guess it. You can't guess, you know, I don't think in 1920 people would have thought that Canal Street would not be the prime shopping street in New Orleans other than Canal Place and a few little stores scattered around. But I don't think anyone at that time would have thought that it would not be the you know, the upscale prime shopping district of New Orleans. But in Orleans Parish, I would say Magazine Street is certainly taken
0: the over
2: promise. over that role. And it's something that evolved. Again, that's not something that anyone truly planned and said, oh, we're going to go and we're going to really, you know, upgrade this street. Because, you know, I remember when it used to be, uh, you know, you could go every three or four blocks and you'd find a shoe repair shop or a, a hardware shop store or something. I mean... In the 1940s, there were probably 25 hardware stores along the street. Now there's two. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of things have changed then. So it has definitely been an evolution of a street. Uh, Some planning with the markets being placed there, but I don't think anyone was really thinking, oh, this is urban planning. This is, oh, this neighborhood's growing. We need to put a market in here. And I think that was a lot of the attitude then. And then over the years, like so much of New Orleans, it has just evolved and by sheer luck and by sheer chance, magazine has turned into... What it is, a major destination street, not just for shopping, but for restaurants, for, uh, you know, partying or just strolling. I mean, it's a wonderful street to stroll on. It really is. I mean, there are pictures in the book of people just strolling along magazines, biking along the street, walking their dogs. I mean, whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's sort of a place to go. And I think people like to have an area where they can congregate. People like to have a destination. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, you know, St. Charles Avenue is something very rarely is it a destination. But Magazine Street is a destination. And say, oh, let's go to Magazine Street and do something. No, definitely. And, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, being on Magazine Street here at the station, we are very
0: lucky to be able to just glance at it every day.
2: I know. And, uh, you know, when when I was, you know, just walking along the street with uh, Margot and Scott, which was, I've got to say again, was tons of fun. It was just, I never recognized that before. You know, you just don't see a lot of this street from, you know, a bus or a car or something because you're, you know, busy jockeying around with traffic or looking for a parking place yeah. or, or something. But uh, there are some areas along the street that are just absolutely exquisite. You know, the residential area, be- primarily residential between uh, Jackson and Washington Avenue is one of those. It's like a, you know, it's like a mini garden district. Well, it is right on the border of the the Garden District, but you've got the trees, you've got some fine architecture in there. You get further into the into the business area, you also find uh, that as well. Some very, you know, a scattering of very early townhouses. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic, mm-hmm. and I think
0: uh, to kind of kind of pivot a little bit, I do want to hear a little bit about more about the book and what you're going to be doing to promote it. Uh, as well, I know that tonight you'll be at Octavia Books. This is October nineteenth.
2: This is October nineteenth. At Octavia Books, it will have launched on uh, October the seventeenth at the right. Historic New Orleans Collection, and uh, looking forward to that. And then uh, I guess Scott probably is more familiar with uh, what's <clears> coming up there. I ju- I just follow him on this.
3: Well, we do have. Um we do have a signing over at the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust on Magazine Street itself. And that is going to be on December 2nd, celebrating merriment on Magazine. That's
0: fun. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That's great. And Scott, while I, while I got you, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, what you've got coming up at, at, at the press. What book releases for the fall and anything coming up in 2018?
3: Sure, definitely. We have, um, we have a number of books coming out this fall. We have, aside from Magazine Street, of course, uh, we have The Tree in the Sea, which is by Blaine and Holly Kern, Blaine Kern Sr., the Mr. Mardi Gras, and his wife. They wrote a book. She wrote it. He illustrated it. That's going to be coming out in the fall. Very, very excited about that. It's big. It's oversized. It's colorful. And then we have Cajun uh, Cajun ABC which is um, an ABC book, and it's about Cajun culture, music, food, history, celebrities. It's everything Cajun. It's going to be a wonderful book, and, you know, we've everyone's very, very excited about it. We also have Good Night to the Parish, which is by Cornell Landry, and he's done a number of books himself, and he's teaming up with River Road Press this year. And Good Night to the Parish is Good Night to St. Bernard Parish ah. and written in the vernacular of the parish. <laughs> so uh, a lot of this and that and those and <laughs> them and all of that. So, all that. I'm, I'm, yeah. trying, I'm trying to keep my New Orleans accent I'll down. Well, well, yeah. But Anyway, so that is very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornell read the book to a school in Chalmette to 600 kids. And the response was overwhelming. They loved it. It was it was very well received. So we're very excited about that. He worked with the Shalmatian Nation on Facebook and, and friends to, you know, make sure that it was a book that they wanted. So they're very excited about that. So that'll be great. We also have Three Little Shrimp by Steven Spires. And it's he is a science teacher over in Slidell. And um Wonderful, cute little book. It talks about the life cycle of, of shrimp and it has shrimp facts and it follows these shrimp um, through, through their trials and tribulations of dealing with predators from fishermen to turtles to egrets. Anyway, super cute book. We also have The Unhuggables. Which, right, correct. (laughs) (laughs) Correct reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Explain. (laughs) So it's a story of, um, of a little boy who doesn't, who's not feeling in a great mood, and his mother wants to hug him, and he refuses to be hugged, and every time she tries to hug him, he morphs into another animal. Whether in his imagination or not, you know, that's up for the that's up to the reader and the the kids to decide. Yeah. But, you know, he becomes an armadillo and she can't grab him. And then he becomes an alligator and he's going to bite her. And eventually he becomes a snake. And he says, you you try to hug me. I'm going to squeeze you so hard. She said, well, show me how you're going to do that. And then, of course, there we start with the hugging. So, (laughs) you know, right. Mom, outsmarted him in the end. So, yeah, super cute little book. And then we have um, The Majorettes Are Back in Town. And that is uh, a book by Leslie Ann Taravella. She is a syndicated Alabama columnist. Mm-hmm. So she, this is a number of her articles and her articles about family, raising kids, husband, church, Cooking, You know, this is a real down-home southern kind of garden and gun kind of a, a, a book. book. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to be super cute, and that's going to be coming out as well. So, yeah, we have uh, seven books this season. Very exciting, and probably a dozen more already under contract for next year.
0: Well, that's exciting, Scott. Yeah. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. I'm and we're talking, that. you know, John and I and Margo are um, talking about our next Projects? collaboration. Fantastic. Right? Oh, Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, could you uh, give us a little hint of what that's going to be? Anything information?
3: <laughs> well, we don't know. We're just uh, we're kicking ideas around yeah. at this point, and uh, you will be the first to know. Yeah. That. All right, great. Yeah, I'm, day I'm day. excited. I'm
2: excited. There's one in particular, but I won't say what it <laughs> okay. is. That's
0: okay.
3: <laughs> no,
2: don't want to curse it or anything. Yeah. You to still know, no, no, write. No. I'll still shoot. <laughs> okay.
0: That'll all be the same. <laughs> well, before we go, I want to hear a little bit about about um, your individual projects. So, Margot. Uh, how did you become a photographer, and, and what's kind of your focus outside of this book right here?
1: I, uh, I w- well, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, I had a concentration in film, but I think storytelling was probably my drive for that. And when I graduated photography, was really something that kind of fell into my lap. I did this wedding, and I absolutely fell in love with it, um, probably because of human connection and people. That's, that's kind of the, the main reason. Um, outside of that, my, my first, I guess, intern job was working for Kit Wall, who, you know, as you, as you know, is a New Orleans local and, and, um, she has wonderful cookbooks. She taught me about how to dress food and just the culture of New Orleans. And that's what really made me, that was kind of my driving force to say, okay, I really want to do, I really want to do photography. You know, um, outside of this project, um, I'm collaborating with uh, Ashton Shaw, who is a, she's a painter. She does a lot of abstract landscapes, stunning. She actually has a studio on Magazine Street, so keeping it close to home. Yes. Uh, We're working on a couple projects right now. Can't reveal anything just yet, but we do hope to have some kind of art show uh, that, that kind of combines painting as well as uh, photography. So it's very exciting. I don't know when it will happen, but probably in the beginning of the year, I would expect. And in between, I'm, I am I travel a lot for destination weddings. I've been very fortunate to travel all over the world for it. So I pretty much just kind of have my suitcase packed at all times and <laughs> and make sure that I have a backup forms of ID yes. <laughs> just in case Important. I lose it. Um, <laughs> but this has been my highlight of, of the year. Like, Physical copyright Physically, there. like, mm. put my hand on it. <laughs> yeah. it it's pretty remarkable. Um, oh, no, that's, that's fantastic.
0: I'm glad to hear that. A lot of exciting things in the future. Then. Thank you. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then, John, you worked at the Historic Collection. I worked at the Historic Neurons Collection.
2: Collection. I retired a little over two years ago. Since I'm retired, I'm not supposed to work. Uh-huh. But I, I do keep myself busy. I wrote a chapter of another book that's coming out at this time. Uh, um, I won't mention it right, <laughs> right <laughs> off. Uh, I belong to a – actually, I belong to a men's club. And I'm big – Club and I've become their historian and archivist, which which I enjoy doing. Also working on an um, an exhibition for the um, Federal District Court oh, wow. in New Orleans, and I'm writing a history of a an old line carnival crew. But that's for the crew. But um, I'm doing things that keep me busy along those lines. But other than that, uh, I pretty much stay away from the hurly burly of. Uh, Trying to promote myself in the workplace. <laughs> so why, <I'm>, John? Why? <laughs> <laughs> what I like about being retired is if I don't want to work one day, I don't
3: have that to. That's nice.
0: very true. That's a luxury. Yeah. So, no, I think that that's great. Well, mm-hmm. well, guys, this has been a pleasure. Before we go, I, I'd love to hear uh, what each of you are reading right now.
2: Uh, actually, I read several books at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a book I bought at second hand at Beckhams it's called San Francisco 1846 to 1856 which is fascinating. Uh actually reading a rather fascinating book called Queer London uh which is a history of gay London from the uh from 1918 to 1957. Oh, so I sort of have a wide array of books and it's like okay what do I feel like reading yeah. right now and you know years ago Susan Larson interviewed me for a for her newspaper column is what people are reading now. And I told her I always have a bus book and a and a home book. Yeah. But I usually have more going, <laughs> going on. Oh, yeah. I'm also reading, I, I really just started, it's called Drunks. It's a history of um, <laughs> alcoholism in the United States. Hey. So, you know, a wide range. Very of, much so. Of no. Books.
0: I think that that's great. Can <laughs> I borrow
1: that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm a visual person, so I'm always uh, I'm, I'm you'll probably catch me looking at photography and painting yeah. more than reading, but I do always keep a book of a uh, copy of Pride and Prejudice with me.
0: Oh, that's, that's good. That's a classic, right there. Yeah. You can't argue with you it. You can't.
1: No, and I've I've read it. I don't know how many times,
3: but over and over,
1: again. it's a classic.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. And Scott, what about you?
3: Hundreds of manuscripts that uh, that come in daily. So. No, I'm reading a, a book um about Jack Henson and he was um a Civil War sniper. So that's it's a manuscript that I have. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is. It's a story that's you know, not not really not much known about him, but it's interesting in and in a lot of other manuscripts as well. All right. Well,
0: fantastic. Well thank you all so much for coming on. This was a pleasure. Uh thank the you. the book is beautiful. I'm excited to dig in a little bit more into it myself. So thank you so much.
2: Thank for you. Thanks us. very much. Yep, yeah. Thank
3: you.
0: That was historian and author John McGill, photographer Margot Landon, and publisher Scott Campbell, here talking about the new book, The Incomparable Magazine Street, which is out now. And that's our show. You've been listening to the Writers Forum on WRBH 88.3 FM here in New Orleans. You can catch our show every Thursday at 3 p.m. as well as Sundays at 8.30 a.m. The Writers' Forum, as well as WRBH's other interview programs, can be found on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash WRBH reading radio. I'm David Benedetto. Until next time.